What's up, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Luix FM. Today's episode features a person. If you surf, you might have heard a thing or two about. He's a man of many things. He's an author, a public speaker, a filmmaker, a surfer, and he happens to be one of the most popular surf coaches online. He's also a Luix product, but more on that a little bit later. First, I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, of course, to hop online and Google Kale Brock. Check out his YouTube channel or Instagram page where he posts epic nuggets to make you surf better, longer, and more fluid. Also, the guy lives in a van, literally pulling up to waves all around Australia to surf his brains out. But let's dive right in to see what Kale has been up to. And what that mysterious Luix product is all about? Yeah, just a hoodie up, no worries. <laughs> uh, how are you, man? I'm doing great, mate. Just had a, I've had a busy, I've actually a very, that's an understatement. I've had a very busy few months, and then <clears throat> sort of coming to the end of it, which is nice, and just finally seeing like a little bit of space throughout the day to just chill at the beach and surf and actually come in and not rush off to do work and stuff. It's been quite good. Yes. Yeah. Like the last couple of times when we talked, like you were, you were either going to, to do something or you were coming from coaching or coming from filming. So yeah, just tell me what have you been up to? Yeah. Uh, we kicked off, <clears throat> we kicked off the year in Melbourne at the wave pool. So I've been running retreats at the wave pool for the last 18 months or so. And we did a big round there. We had 200 surfers in three weeks, which is a pretty a pretty hefty uh, lift to <laughs> to get happening. Um, so that was good. We did four days a week for, um, or was it more? I don't know, but I think we, yeah, four days a week for three weeks. Um, so that was good, and you know we achieved some really good things. We had some great students, which was good, and then we immediately went straight into a bunch of Sydney retreats and then we went straight into our twin fin series, which has been consuming me for a few months now. And that's been the, <clears throat> the quest to find the best twin fin surfboard basically. Uh, so we took 11 surfboards off the shelf from the best shapers in the world. Uh, basically I've surfed all of them over the past three months and whittled, whittled them down to the last uh, four and now the last two. And we're going to announce a winner soon. So I've, it's funny, like people, when they hear that, it's sort of go, oh, you're living the dream life. It's amazing. But when I sum it up in the water or here in an interview or something, and I'm like, yeah, but <laughs> because it's not just going for a surf. It's literally thinking about every shot. It's directing the camera operator. It's um, thinking about how I'm going to edit. Like I'll literally be thinking about how I'm going to edit as I'm surfing. Um, and I'll come in and I'm, you know, obviously presenting on camera and directing shots again, but then I also come back and spend two days, three days, four days on an episode, uh, editing it all together and, and wrapping it up, which is a pretty big mission. Uh, I'd love to get someone else to do the editing, but I'm a, not a control freak, but I have high standards when it comes to that stuff. And I just find unless you're paying exorbitant amounts of money for a really good editor who also has to be a really good surfer. That's the key thing. I'll have good surf knowledge. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's just better off doing it yourself. So 
yeah, these days I'm all about just quality over quantity. So we'll see how how much we can keep up. <laughs> it's funny how people like see, you know, the dream life, the postcard life and like, but they don't really see, it's like the iceberg scenario, right? You only see the tip and the, like the tip looks amazing. And then everything that comes with it, it's kind of like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah i mean i think that was the big uh asset that i could bring i mean yeah i i could surf at a competent level but there are much better surfers than me right i could coach at a um i would say now at a at quite an advanced level but before i could coach at a competent level but there were better coaches than me um there are better filmers and editors than me uh, as well, but I could do those competently. But it was the combination of those skills and coupled with, um, you know, my communication background that really, I think, enabled me to fast track and kind of stand out a little bit in what didn't used to be such a crowded space, but now is quite a crowded space. Yeah, we talked about it, like, off the record before, how yeah. everybody kind of tries to tap into this like market of coaching, online coaching, um, surf, surf retreats or um, surf experiences. But I actually, you mentioned something just before and I want to tap into it, like your like communication background, right? Like for me, knowing you, like it's, it's interesting to see how somebody who used to write books and, and made documentaries like taps into this like surf coaching surf you know surf experience type realm so i wonder how did this transition or how did you actually get into it in the first place like why why not just directing um documentaries or writing books for you know for the rest of your life yeah it's interesting it's it's quite a long drawn out (laughs) narrative But I, I, st- <clears throat> I started surfing when I was 10. That was the main thing. So there was this constant thread of surfing throughout my life from the age of 10 until the age of 30 now, 20 years. And up between 10 and 16, there was this push and pull between surfing and Aussie rules football. So I was a footballer and that Aussie rules football would have been a career for me. Like that was a, a very viable option. So at the age of um, 16, I was sort of at that, space where it was like you know i was representing the state and then i was chatting with clubs and i was chatting with reps from clubs and and talking about my future and stuff but i never really over the year or two before that i just sort of lost my passion for it um mainly really i would say due to who was playing like it was a very macho sort of uh, but also insecure sort of space that I didn't really want to be involved. I, never, I was never a partier or anything like that. And it was very, it was a boys club, you know? Um, so I was never really into it. Speaking, speaking of a boys club, right? I know we have some listeners from Australia, but we also have <laughs> listeners from all over the world. So do you want to explain the boys club? Do you want to explain what Aussie rules football actually is? Because I don't, I don't think yeah. a lot of people outside of Australia know what Aussie rules football actually is. Mm. I mean, it's a, the, probably the biggest ball sport here in Australia. I think it is. It would be the biggest ball sport here in Australia. It's bigger than soccer. It's bigger than rugby. Um, yeah, and it's it's kind of if you grow up in Adelaide, which is where I grew up, it's the it's 
it's the quintessential example of success if you become an AFL footballer, right? You are lauded as a as a hero, as a god in 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 Adelaide and South Australia and Victoria, particularly in Western Australia. Um, so you know you can make a lot of money and you can do all that. I mean, nothing compared to what's made in American sports, but uh, you, you can do well and succeed by doing it. So it's a very revered game. It's a rough game. But it also breeds like it was um, – I know they're introducing female leagues now, but it's still a sort of male-dominated sport and the, <clears throat> the culture behind it has been one that's very heavy with what happens before and after the game. Um, so there's community there, which is great, but there's, it's also a lot of community um, activities grounded in drinking and partying and smoking and, and you know, and that sort of – boys club nature that's what i mean by that it's that sort of bravado who can be the the biggest man kind of thing and i just never really i don't know i was just never interested in that part of it i actually quite liked playing the game but i just never was interested in that part of it so yeah i sort of lost interest over time and there was this pivotal moment where i was surfing and i was constantly deciding whether to surf in competitions or play football and there was a moment when um uh, my co- my coach at school, who was also a rep for a club, was sort of saying, "Hey, I've been chatting with this club, and you know, what do you want to do? Do you even want to do this?" And uh, I sort of looked at him, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> not really." <laughs> and that's when I just threw myself into surfing. And I was never really good enough in surfing to make a career of it, and I kind of knew that, but I just kind of aspired to anyway. Uh, well, yeah, lo and behold. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, uh, you know, got my license and then just spent the next 15 years from there just being obsessed with surfing. Uh, but at the same time, I also went through a lot of health stuff. So I had a heart condition when I was younger. Uh, I was told that that was incurable and I went down a sort of journalistic uh, research path into alternative health, which was very fringe at the time. This is 15 years ago. This is not when kombucha was available at every store you go to. This was very early. So I went down that route and developed a bit of a passion for that. And after becoming a journalist and working for a network TV station here in Australia, through my surfing work, funnily enough, uh, I did that for two years and was able to do some health stories and stuff and, and really got skilled up in essentially what I'm doing now, telling a story, producing, field producing, um, editing on the go, you know, directing, uh, presenting as well at the same time, doing voiceovers, doing editing, and then, you know, bringing it all together. So I was really privy to that entire process while I was at the network TV station. So I learned really quickly um, some really valuable tools there. But then at the end of the two-year contract, I was sort of, Again, I'd lost interest. I wanted to do my own thing. So I ended up going away and then pursuing that health thing all the while surfing, right? Surfing was always there, but I didn't think I could make a career from it. So I did that for almost, um, I probably did the health thing from the age of 20, I would say, 21 until 27. So it was a good six or seven years. Uh, that I was actively working in that space. We made a couple of documentaries. I wrote some books to sort of accompany those documentaries. And the second documentary was so exhausting, was so uh, such a behemoth, and it required so much of my uh, 
resources because I funded both of these films because I had no patience to wait for funding. And I just said, I think that I'm done. That film was on longevity. And the big message that I got from that film after going and visiting the longest lived people in the world was to slow down and to live at a pace that's sustainable and do something you love and be surrounded by people who you love. So I just thought, hey, I'm going to just step way back here and just chill, just chill. And I ended up surfing a lot more. I had a surfing channel um, called How to Rip. It was an old channel of mine that, you know, it had sort of been a failed business plan and then it just kind of took off on YouTube. But it was a half-hearted effort. And then I thought, okay, I think I'm going to give this surfing thing a go. And I started my own channel. And I think within two months I had maybe ten or 12,000 subscribers. It was quite quick. And I was like, okay, I think this is this is something I want to do. And then it just step-by-step just took off and I was getting approached for coaching every single day, messages and emails every single day while I was in Sydney. So I ended up coaching a huge cohort of surfers there for a a couple of years and then um, have expanded on that and created, you know, the online, the surfers roadmap and um, the experiences and, yeah, and, and now the sort of the crossover into the more core surfing space as well with our board tests and a few other things that we're doing. So yeah, I'm treading, I'm treading quite broadly, but it's working. Well, seems like it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I actually want to tap into before we, you know, before we announce what we have to announce and before we want to, you know, loop our audience into what you and I have been working on over the last, well, it's been a while, a few (laughs) months. I actually want to tap into the surface roadmap because I find this really interesting because really what you're doing is like you target the everyday surfer, right? Like the intermediate, like you're, you're really good in this like intermediate space. Right. And, um, I just want you to tell me a little bit more about what was the formula behind or the idea behind, you know, creating programs or creating coaching experiences for the everyday surfer. Yeah, I think, I mean, especially when it started, it was much more geared towards the beginner and intermediate surfer. But I think as I've gotten better as a coach, I've been able to progress a few surfers from that intermediate level to a more advanced level and starting to become more micro there Um, because there are some incredible coaches in the advanced space, right? That's not in question. There are some insanely good coaches in the advanced space. But I noticed there was this huge gap in the beginner and especially intermediate market. And what was interesting is that 85% of all surfers are in that intermediate market, but they weren't being served with a good go-to resource or or pathway or roadmap to uh, progression, you know. And you can progress at any age, no matter where you are along that uh, spectrum <clears throat> from beginner to advanced. No matter where you are, you can progress now. It doesn't matter about your age. And that was the weird thing is that, and still now, there's this uh, misheld belief that your surfing stops progressing when you turn, you know, 25 or whatever, and you start going downhill from 30, you know, and it's not true. So I found that out by coaching people. And I had these incredible students initially early on who literally just challenged me with problems, okay? And I could see oh, the surfer's not doing this, but then why is that happening? And I would literally have to reverse engineer 
what was happening and then learn how to communicate a sort of more optimized approach to that problem or to that area of their surfing uh, with training techniques to really iron it in. So this might look like, let's just call it the bottom turn. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of um, generic lingo around bottom turn and it was always get low and lean. You know, there was never any other talk really besides get low and lean on your bottom turn. And for me, it was like, okay, that's great and it's, and it's true, but there's actually a little bit more going on. So how can we create these analogies and metaphors and more easily understood uh, concepts for people who aren't deep in the surfing uh, vernacular? Right, people who had started two years ago are not going to know what someone means when they say get low and lean, or they or they they might not be able to translate that into a movement. They might not be able to kinesthetically understand that. Uh, so that's that's when it it all sort of kicked off, and I think um, you know our work with surf skates as well has been pretty um, pioneering in the space. Um, yeah, I'm happy to say that, um, which has been really good. They've been a really helpful tool to incorporate into what we do and then helping people get an intellectual understanding of a technique and then why certain attributes of a technique are beneficial to their surfing, the end result of their surfing, um, and then learn those things uh, practically via the surf skate and in the surf has sort of been our um, been our approach. So, yeah, it's it's not just... I think there was such a huge um, disparity between the quality of information that surfers needed and the quality of information that they were getting. There was such a big disparity there. And I thought, okay, well, I think the, the least I can do is improve the communication around these um, problems and techniques. And I think we've achieved that quite well because some of the progressions that we see um, – that we'll be sharing a lot more of soon and starting to document a lot more uh, of soon um, are phenomenal. I mean, I'm talking, I've seen people progress from beginner to intermediate in one day where they go from cutting across, standing there in a wave, doing nothing to actually bottom turning and doing a cutback by the end of the day at the wave pool. So um, that, that process, and if you're familiar with surfing, you'll know this, that process would normally take six to nine months, you know, if, if unless you're maybe... 13 years old or 10 years old or whatever. Uh, it's not a Yeah, you're doing process. it two weeks. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, that's been really cool. And I think the results speak for themselves. And that's why so many of our surfers come back every time they book again on the way out the door. So it's been really cool. And they're constantly, they, in, they are the ones who've fed this um, and built this curriculum for me. Literally just them. Uh, approaching me with problems and me learning how to solve those problems and communicate um, solutions to them. You know, there's this old saying of like, if you want to get better at surfing, you have to surf. Do you think that's <laughs> that's still true? I think it's true, absolutely, because surfing is, a, there's a lot of uh, positioning and paddling. You know, we should really, in term, if we were, if we were titling the, the activity accurately, we would call it positioning and paddling as opposed to surfing because the time we spend surfing is a very small portion of the entire experience. Um, so that's the stuff that takes time to learn. It, it's very difficult, almost impossible, to teach someone to read the ocean and, and know what the ocean's going to do 
and position themselves accordingly for, for good waves and good entry into waves, which is really important. So that's where time in the ocean, I think, is incredibly key. Um, on wave performance, I think we're starting to challenge that conception now. I would love to run an experiment where I find someone who's good in the ocean already, so maybe a bodyboarder who's never surfed before or something like that, uh, and then teach them from surf skating how to surf and then see how quick their progression is. I think that would be really interesting um, because surf skating and, and surfing, the, the movements are almost exactly the same when you commit to good technique. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's true and I appreciate it and I did it and I think everyone can benefit from it and I mean surfing, uh, but there are ways to hack it and fast track it. I guess if you, if you learned like you and me, right, where I guess all we had was the ocean and all we had was like, you know, learning it the hard way with, you know, a lot of frustrations and a lot <laughs> of like moments where you wanted to give up and, 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 you know, the, 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 I guess the curve of progression was very, very, very slow. Right. And now with, you know, throwing wave pools into the mix, throwing, you said it before, throwing surf skates into the mix, I guess that, that curve has sped up a lot. And I think that's also why when you look at the current landscape of surf coaching, right? Like surf coaching programs and surf coaches as well, they're popping up left, right, and center. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're catering to a, to a need, I guess. Um, and you're right with this, with, with standardization or with control rather, um, comes predictability and standardization. So that's what the wave pool and the concrete can provide. It's this consistent canvas to go, hey, I'm going to practice this over and over and over again. We never got that growing up. It was like, I'm going to try an air reverse today, but I'm probably only going to get one good section for it. And then I might not surf again for a few days. And the next surf might be just barrels and no air section. So I might not try that maneuver again for two weeks by the time two weeks rolls around, your neuromusculature, your, your nervous system has forgot what that feels like, you know. So it's such an incredibly hard sport to improve in. Um, but now we're literally living in a time where we'll, we'll look back in history and go, oh, that's when the, the general level of surfing, the worldwide level of surfing was elevated uh, during the time of, of uh, the wave pool revolution, which is what it is. And that's really what... Um, our sort of goal is with the surfers roadmap. I mean, it goes beyond just surfing better, right? Because surfing is a very spiritual practice, but um, more tangibly, it's uh, elevating the level of surfing worldwide. Right. Um, now I think like you just gave me an idea of a topic that I haven't written down. There was no, there was no anchor notes for it, but I, I always wonder like, when it comes to coaching, like what's the adaptability like? Because you have a lot of people who serve different crafts, right? Like back in the day, it was like a standard shorty. That was kind of like it. 90% of the people would surf that and you would teach them or coach them um, how to ride a shortboard. But now today, you know, people write um, single fins, long boards, twin fins. Like you either, you even did a show about twin fins. So obviously there is a market for it. So I wonder like, how does that work from a coaching perspective, right? Like, because people come to you and maybe, 
you have 10 students and five of them, they serve quote unquote alternative crafts. This episode is brought to you by BookThrough, a piece of technology that will change the way you book your surf or snow trip forever. If you're like me, you get hyped on good surf or fresh powder. So trips are usually more of an impulse decision than long-term planning. I'm the type of person who likes to look at several options, compare them and pull the trigger whenever I please. I don't like waiting and getting into an email exchange or lengthy phone calls to chase up information even less. This is where BookThrough comes into play. BookThrough makes it super easy to compare, customize, and configure your trip in real time. Everything from room types, pricing, and add-ons is available to you without you ever having to contact a travel agent. There's no lag time, no friction. You can book what you want, when you want it, from the comfort of your living room in just a few clicks. So head over to luex.com and check out some of the properties in Portugal, Sri Lanka, and other selected destinations that already have integrated book through capabilities. Our team behind the scenes is working hard to add more properties in the coming months to provide you with a smart, easy, and instant solution that revolutionizes the way you book your surf or snow trips. Yeah, the fundamentals remain the same. Uh, I, I could probably start saying like if someone rides a longboard and they want to start doing longboarding, traditional longboarding, that's not like a high-performance longboarding. I don't even know. I'm out of my, out of my depth with the longboarding space. Um, that's, that's the thing where that's where I would draw the line and just say, look, you need to go and get coached by a professional longboarder or something like that because I don't know how to tweedle up to the front of the board and hang my toes right. off. <laughs> But someone coming on a performance mid-length, which is still might be a long board, like a seven or eight footer, can absolutely benefit from this same advice as someone who's riding a five ten uh, twin fin. Uh, that's where it's basically if you're trying to go from the bottom of the wave to the top of the wave uh, with any sort of intensity and fine rotation and use rotation and compression simultaneously and with good rhythm and timing, which is what surfing is, uh, then you're going to benefit from the same info. The subtleties of difference between, you know, a twin fin and a high-performance shortboard, um, that's something you would feel and that's really something you would um, require you to change intensity as opposed to changing the actual technique, uh, which is which is sort of a, a big misconception. It's been funny doing this twin fin series. I've had some, some comments on YouTube from people who... <laughs> Um, say stuff like that's not how you're meant to surf a twin fin blah 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 like they're just those <clears throat> there's this idea that you need to surf a twin fin by just sort of waving your arms in this cool style and just hanging them exactly. back behind you and looking down at your feet and and doing all these things wrong which is cool i like how that looks but it's not how i want to surf and I don't see that as high-performance surfing either. It's not. And a lot of people hide behind it. I've, just, I've been watching some people out the front here um, surfing over the last few days on their alternative crafts who, you know, who just don't surf that well. And that doesn't matter at all. There's there's no, like, expectation or, or need to surf a certain way. But um, <clears throat> I don't know if they're the same people commenting. I doubt it. But <laughs> the people commenting <laughs> and doing this whole twin fin surfing thing that you see um, are often just hiding, they're hiding poor ability behind uh, unique style. 
and that's totally fine. Um, but yeah, it's it's not it's not high performance surfing, and that's really what I'm trying to achieve in my own surfing, and it's what I'm trying to help other people achieve because I just think it feels good to do big turns and and monster through turns and get barreled and do airs. I think that that's the best feeling in the world, not just sort of dancing along the wave, even though that looks really cool too. Why do you think coaching is so important right now and not just for pros? Because as we said before, we elaborated on it before, there is a lot of coaches. There is a lot of experiences. Like you can hop online and you probably find a million different surf coaching programs, online coaches, um, surf retreats, whatever you want, right? So why do you think it has become so important? I mean, I would say it's not become more important than it was before. It's just become more normal to be coached. Surfing, I would say even five years ago, like that shorter time frame, you would suggest to the everyday surfer who surfed for 10, 15 years, like, hey, you might benefit from some coaching. They'd tell you to piss off, you know. <laughs> They'd be like, Ugh. What do I need coaching for, you kook? You know, I'm not getting coaching. Um, so it was a very, it was almost like an, an insulting uh, sort of concept that anyone would need coaching or anyone could progress. Uh, but that mindset's changed, I think, with proof of concept. So people actually improving no matter what their age. I've, you know, I've coached 60-year-olds before who, is, who have improved in one or two sessions. Um, <clears throat> uh uh, where was I going with that? Yes, so I think it's become a lot more a part of the conversation, hence the increase in, in popularity. Uh, I, I know a lot of the pro coaches, right? So I've, I've worked with them on my own surfing, which has been really helpful. Um, but the stuff they're doing with the pros, the actual you know professional surfers on tour and competitions and stuff, rarely has to do with technique. And if it is to do with technique, it's very minor, very minor tweaks to their techniques. So you see these diminishing returns as you become a more advanced surfer. Your progression is obviously a lot smaller and slower because there's not a lot of room for, to move up there. Um, but then for the everyday surfer, when you correct their bottom turn, for example, uh, and which sets them up for, for good maneuvers, then you start to see some exponential growth really quickly, no matter where that surfer, um, no matter how long that surfer's surfed before, you know? Uh, so, I think that's why uh, it's becoming so popular. But I would also say that there are some risks there because there's some, there's some I would say, suboptimal information out there. Um, yes. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Well, okay, no, I think this is important, is um, who are you getting your information from? Do they surf well? Or do they at least surf better than you or at a level where you want to go because chances are if they do if they're an intermediate and you're a beginner then they can provide value to you to get you a little bit higher because they're probably more experienced and they've got some more awareness now um, if you're an intermediate surfer and you're being coached by an intermediate or a late beginner which is often the case in the youtube space um, <laughs> you may not benefit very much from that information because there's a lot of um, lacked, uh, there's experience lacking there. And I'm not just talking about intellectual experience because you could learn theoretically uh, a surfing curriculum, which I'm an advocate of. 
but you need to couple that with a kinesthetic or a, or a feeling understanding of how that um, intellectual idea is sort of manifested in the body and in reality. You need to be able to feel it in order to coach it uh, and you need to be able to identify it and see it really quickly because a lot of people will come to me and then it's, you know, my friend, um, you know, a lot of my students become my friends. So one of the guys who I've coached, uh, Dr. Alex, he came down to uh, the wave pool and he's had coaching with all the coaches up here in, in northern New South Wales, which is kind of the mecca for surfing here in Australia, one of the meccas, um, especially for surf coaches. And he could never really improve. He said he plateaued for a good, you know, seven, eight, ten years or something like that. And on his back end, there was just this one cue within three minutes. He caught two waves. Uh, and I was like, yep, I'm going to write that down. And it was literally just him flipping his palm and finding more of a low to high movement with that leading arm on his backhand that just totally uh, revolutionized his, his backhand surfing. And he was like, literally in 10 seconds, you've just, you've just changed my surfing with just that cue. So, and that doesn't make me special or anything, but it makes me good at sort of identifying uh, and very quick to identify what's holding a surfer back because I can feel what's happening. Um, whereas I think someone who's maybe not as experienced or surfing at a level that's not as <clears throat> high as I am might not be able to to feel that and see it as quickly. Um, and then the key is communicate it as well. Well, speaking of communicated and communications, um, let's dive into you as a product because I already talked about it in the very beginning of the podcast that um, you and I have been, or I should say, Luix and you and I in the mix, we have been working on this experience for people, right? That kind of takes them out of the wave pool and kind of drops them into a well, we can say now dreamy um, location somewhere in the Indian Ocean um, to progress pretty much in seven days, right? So do you want to reveal what's in store for them or what we have planned for, um, for them? I'm looking forward to it. It's my first uh, overseas retreat. So we're, we're sort of calling it our, our premium Mount Ives experience because it's at a five-star resort, which I'm also looking forward to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's those total immersion experiences that have such a big impact on your surfing, right? And that's why on a, on a I guess, a less macro level, people coming to the wave pool for a day with me, we do four sessions in a day. It's a total immersion experience, right? Nothing else is, is on your mind. You're here to surf and you're going to catch a ton of waves. So, I attribute a lot of my big steps forward. Surfing is like that, right? It's, it's, you often don't uh, move forward in steady, uh, predictable increments. You kind of plateau a little bit and then you go, whoa, big jump forward. And then you plateau again. Um, that's generally how surfing has worked, especially ocean-based surfing. Um, so for me, when I grew up, as I was growing up, those big leaps forward often came after surf trips. So going to idyllic um, locations, not not um, 
definitely not five-star resorts. But uh, going out into the desert, for example, where I'm from in South Australia, going on those sorts of trips and working on my back end surfing or working on tubes and heavyweights and all those sorts of things, that's when my surfing really jumped up. So that's, I think, what I'm most excited about because we get the opportunity to do that in the ocean with, with real powerful ways. Um, and when I say that, I don't mean really advanced heavy waves. I mean real, comma, powerful waves. So waves with power right? And that's, that's really important too. Um, so I think, yeah, th- it's a big opportunity for me as well to really get involved and craft, not hold someone's hand, but guide them over a longer period than just a day and with a small group too, uh, along that narrative and just try and take them as far as possible along that roadmap from wherever they are closer to advanced surfing. Um, who knows, maybe we'll even We'll even take people beyond advanced surfing. <laughs> no, but I think it's going to be really the, fun. That's the elevator pitch for for um, the retreat. <laughs> I mean, it is, but it's like it's not something I generally don't – I don't oversell all my experiences mm-hmm. because I think that um, the, the, the most important thing there is that the underlying product, it's, it's the quality of coaching. That's the most important thing. When you film surfers, so we'll have everything filmed, obviously, while we're there. We've got a professional filmer and they're going to film um, everyone's waves, which is really important. And then we take those back. And at the end of the day, this is where people get their big bang for their buck, right? Um, At the end of the day, we sit down as a group and we put up on screen. You can imagine a wide screen. We split it up. We have a sort of optimal technique over to the right side of the screen and we have the surfer performing there the same technique over to the left and we point out the differences and we point out ways to correct that technique so we do that you know every day after after we go surfing twice a day in, in you know empty beautiful waves um that's where people start to get those big aha moments right and a lot of the people are already working with me but um who are coming but they'll also be able to sort of sink into those feelings a little bit because, you know, they come to the wave pool for a day, they jump forward, they have a good progression forward, but then they go back to work and they go back and they have to look mm-hmm. after the kids and all that sort of stuff. So just taking a little bit of extra time to think about, to implement, to catch a bunch of waves around, um, their progression is a huge asset. And, again, when you couple that with, I think, good advice, um, the opportunities are kind of wide open. So essentially what's going to happen, guys, is that Kale throws this um, premium wildlife surf experience at Ayata Resort in September. I should have done my homework because I completely forgot the dates, but it's September 21st? Second half of December. December. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Second half of September, right? September. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I Exactly. <laughs> so, oh, no, yeah, but we will we will we will drop the the dates and everything you need to know into the show notes. So seventeenth to the twenty fourth. There we go, seventeenth <laughs> until the twenty fourth of September. Yeah, um, you can join Kill for seven days. Six days will be coaching, right? Twice mm-hmm. a day, um, filmed by a professional filmer, so you guys can analyze it later on and obviously work on technique and you know what needs to be improved and i think i should point out that we we already did 
a soft launch and we already have a lot of traction and there's only going to be eight spots. So, you know, if you want to get amongst it, you have to do it pretty soon because these, these um, spots, they seem to run off the shelf like hot cookies. So, yeah. Yeah. And with that video analysis and yes, we are half uh, booked already with that video analysis, they'll get like a sort of summary of the trip as well to take home and work on for the next, you know, few months of their surfing. So they'll get a, a collage of all their surfing clips and all their good ways brought to the front and analyzed quite uh, in detail with a good, good sort of homework program. So when we say it's a premium Maldives experience, it, we, we mean it's, it, it is a premium experience. To, have to do that with eight people uh, is, is pretty, pretty good. Can you actually talk through what people can expect? You know, like what's included, what's going to happen, um, how will it differ from you know the your 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 surface roadmap experiences at the wave pool? Um, also, you know, do they have access to um, online resources, things like that? Yes, that's good. Um, they're going to access. They're going to go through the surface roadmap online, so they're going to get all the courses on there. Uh, for a uh, for a while before the retreat, <clears throat> we're going to catch up over a call, have a look at what they're doing, and we're going to um, create some goals for the surfer. So that's really important to work out where the surfer's at and what they're trying to achieve from the trip. Because I can I can come into it and say, and say <laughs> I want you to be doing like huge laybacks or, or big top turns there, but if they're just interested in going, hey, I just want to cruise and go as fast as I can then I've got to obviously adhere to that and try and, and um, work with that um, direction that they want to go. So we're going to catch up before the retreat and sort that out and basically plug them into the Surfers Roadmap curriculum, which will first be uh, a digital experience in the lead up to the Maldives and then that becomes a tangible in-person real world real world experience with me at, in the Maldives and that's literally it's every single day so it's the same thing every single day where are the best ways going to be we're going to decide that then for uh, okay we're going to book the boat in for, for this and that and we're going to um, shoot off there and we're going to spend as much time as possible surfing and 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 then maybe who knows maybe fishing on the way back and, and getting some good food or <laughs> whatever um but most of the time we're going to be surfing and uh, we're going to capture all that and hopefully, um, no, almost, no, definitely, we will start to chip away at the surfer's progression. So looking at very detailed, a, a very detailed approach, an individualised approach to getting them to where they want to be as a surfer. It's, it's really, it's not rocket science, but it, it is, it's a careful process. I'm really, um, I'm really uh, careful about coaching these days. Uh, it's, it's yes. I think it needs to be uh, considered very heavily. The advice you give, the cues you give, the communication style per surfer needs to change. Um, funnily enough, some people need more involvement. Um, you know, they want you out there in the lineup with them, which I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be surfing with people, taking all the waves. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, but I'll be out in the lineup with everyone and helping them out um, throughout the session as well. So we get this sort of constant feedback and constant progression cycle uh, throughout the whole experience. And I haven't been to Ayata before. Have you been there? Can you tell me how, is it good? 
Actually, I've been a couple of times. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's what I said before. My teaser was dreamy and it is dreamy because it's, it's <clears throat> obviously the Maldives are very remote, but Ayata is really remote. Like there's not much around, you know, and you kind of arrive at this, you know, beautiful resort, five-star resort, you know, on a private island um, with, I think there's like four or five waves within like a 10 minute, you know, boat ride. So it is a surf resort. Like it is, it is paradise. And if, you know, if you want to, if you want to surf your brains out and go back to the resort and just chill, that's, that's exactly what you can do. Like it has a little bit of it, a little bit of everything. Right. So, um, for me, I've been to the Maldives three times. I've been to many, many resorts and Ayata is always one of the standouts for sure. What do you think of the time of year that we're going? Cause that was quite a calculated um, decision, that one. Right. So because it's, you know, you're going, essentially you're going to the South, right? And if you look at a map, there's really nothing that, that blocks swell you know, hitting the Southern atolls. So waves are always going to be a little bit bigger than let's say in, you know, um, the North or central atolls. And that's kind of like what you want because that time of the year waves are generally, generally speaking, a little bit smaller, like it's just going out of the prime season, which means, you know, a lot of surfers go home. They don't have vacation in, in anymore. Um, it's definitely less crowded because yeah, the prime sea season is over, but for the Southern Atoll, it doesn't really matter too much because it's like, it's like a wave pool. Like it mm. just creates consistent swells that are perfect for in, in intermediates. You know, they're not too small, not too big. The winds are going to be much, much better as well because again, you know, it goes into this like more quiet season so we, we talked a lot about, you know, when we should put on this, this retreat, right? A lot of thought has, has, has gone into the actual time frame of it. So people can get, you know, the best experience of both worlds kind of thing. They can on land, but also in the water. Yeah, I think that was a good um, <clears throat> note is we've sort of crafted this for the intermediate surfer because that's the majority of the surfing population. Uh, and what do we mean by intermediate surfer? It's someone who is catching waves independently um, of a variety of sizes, say up to, you know, three to, I would say up to three foot is a pretty, and I mean three foot Australian, Hawaiian. So I don't know what that is right. in American. People always tell me <laughs> off. <laughs> um, like so so yeah. it's sort of like shoulder to head high, right? Is that Perfect. kind of what we're, yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. So if someone can catch um, waves independently uh, doing that, it almost doesn't matter what they're doing on the face of the wave as long as they can catch those waves confidently, comfortably on their own. Um, so that's what we would consider intermediate level at this time. Yeah. In this circumstance. And the beauty is also like what I said before, right? There, There is a lot of waves around Ayata. You know, there's, there's like three or four waves, like within like a 10 minute boat ride, then you have like two or three more waves that are a little bit heavier, you know, within like a 40, 35, well, 
yeah, 35, 40 minutes people, right? So um, you have variety and you have, you know, anything. You have A-frames, you have left, you have right, you have heavy, real heavy barreling waves. You have, um, you know, sort of like more rippable trestles type waves. So you, it's basically like you can pick and choose and really, you know, hone your craft and hone hone in on like what you want to improve on, right? Whether that's your back end, whether that's barrel riding, whether that's just like your flow and or, or, or speed. So I think I think people, these eight lucky, you know, ladies and gentlemen that actually are going to be part of it, they they're gonna go home stoked because all they do Again, you know, in the Maldives, there's not much distraction. You know, there is water, there's a resort, there's some islands, and that's pretty much it. So by default, you're going to be spending a lot, a lot of time in the water. Yeah, and and time in the water with other good surfers is a, a really good recipe for, for just naturally improving. Um, our focus point mainly for the first few days at least is going to be those rippable waves, you know, the, the trestle style waves so that we can assess where everyone's at, that, you know, you want to sort of abide by that process regardless. And then within the retreat, create a bit of, a, a bit of an arc, right, that where we start to challenge people only slightly. We don't want to push them too far um, out of their comfort zone into, you know, maybe more advanced waves. Um, if everyone's if everyone's comfortable, so um, that I'm excited about as well. So we've been talking about this retreat, elusive retreat that we haven't really announced before, and people didn't really know about for the last 15 minutes. But now we got to tell them like how they can actually be part of it. Uh, how can I, they? I don't even know. Do, are you going to put notes in there? <laughs> Uh, what that was kind of like my my kind of <laughs> pitch to you to like tell them, but that's fine. Uh, no, so all right, so I will definitely put all the information into the show notes. I w- or you can just get in touch with us um, directly. You can DM Kale on his Instagram. You can DM me on my Instagram. You can DM Luix. You know all the messages, all the platforms you, you want. We will get you a message and we will make sure you're going to be part of, you know, this amazing first time retreat in the Maldives. You're condemning me to a, an influx of messages. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, well, I, I was trying to get inquiries. you, I was trying to get, get you to tell people what they should do, but you didn't. So I just, uh, you know, I just took the lead on this one. You're you're a good host, Sonny. I try. <laughs> People appreciate I... it. <laughs> I hope you include all this in the podcast. <laughs> I will for sure. <laughs> There's nothing I, I you know unlike you, I really suck at editing. So you know by default, there's not much I can edit. So yeah, everything, <laughs> all the raw, all the all the raw information will will, will be there for sure. All the B rolls and everything. <laughs> I look forward to it. I can't wait to get this one done. It's going to be fantastic. What's next? What's next for you? What's next for the Surface Roadmap? What's next for, you know, you YouTube subs, um, subscribers, your fans, your, I don't know, are you writing a book? Are you doing more filming for, you know, like um, documentaries on, 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 
what was it? The gut health or, <laughs> or whatever it was? Yeah. Or just surf? <clears throat> I think it's all, it's all going to be around surfing, uh, at least for now. Um, yeah, I don't really – like we've got big goals for, for the surfers roadmap. Uh, eventually we will create a space, um, like a go-to space where people can come and progress their surfing. What that looks like uh, is remains to be seen because we're, you know, we're probably five years away from wave pool technology being a lot more affordable and being able to uh, very clearly assess and pick the best one too. So I'm sort of waiting in, in that space and then we'll hopefully get some land and, and create our own, you know, the Surfers Roadmap Academy. Um, but yeah, that, that's the next step on a macro scale. On a micro scale, I don't know. We'll just see, see what happens. I think I'm going to take a little bit of time off now. I've got to work on the Advanced Surfers Roadmap. I've been trying to work on that for ages. There's a few other projects I've got to work on that are more of a slow burn and require me to be off, you know, off screen in the, in the background, which is fine. Uh, but regardless of what I'm doing, I'm going to be surfing every day. <laughs> that's the life. That's the life. That's the life. Thank you so much for, you know, jumping on this podcast. I know you have to go. You have, I think, another call or coaching got class. All, so... all sorts of stuff happening. <laughs> exactly. So I let you go now. I just wanted to tell people again, you know, if you want to be part of this very first Maldives Premium Experience, get in touch with either me, Luix, or Kale. Ew. Cheers, guys. And that, my friends, wraps up another episode of Luix FM, the only podcast centered around surf, snow, and travel, featuring unbelievable stories, people, and trips. If you want to hear more from us, make sure to subscribe to Luix FM on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you like what we have to say, make sure to leave a review. And if not, always feel free to reach out and let us know. Also, don't forget to head over to Facebook or Instagram and give us a follow at Luix Travel, or just check in with us over at Luix.com for more stories and content of the greatest lifestyle in the world. I'm your host, Sunny Fassler. Until next time.